literary fans and welcome to episode 54 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host Jeff and today we are reading chapter 7 of Homecoming, a book I wrote in a month. Well, if you want to contact me here at Jeff Reads His Book, you can head over to jeffreadshisbook.com and right there there's a couple ways to contact me and we'll go over those at the end of the episode. Did I do that last week? Sometimes I feel like I skip that step. I don't know. Anyway, uh, while you're over at jeffreadsbook.com writing in to tell me how amazing this book is, why not buy one of the prequels to this book? That's right. You can just go ahead and get a print or ebook copy of Bringing Balance or um, uh, Outlander. Forgot Outlander? Offworlder. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember what I wrote. <laughs> If I had written Outlander, I'd be a lot richer, I feel like. Yes, yes. I wouldn't be doing this on a, uh, what, a 12-year-old laptop with a $40 microphone. (laughs) Also, people would probably be mad at all my snarky comments if I wrote a good book that people liked. Or if I still want to make this into a series. That would be awesome. But anyway, I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. So, this week, we did not receive any feedback. I think we all know the reasons why, but that's fine. Um, I didn't hear from Glenn about this. I'm not sure if he's listening to it right now. That's cool, because I think he usually listens in the car. And uh, the lovely Laura hasn't listened to it either. She is uh, at home with me for the foreseeable future. So, uh, I don't think she's going to be putting on a podcast and going for a walk or anything like that. Yeah, we're, you know, we've been calling this, what, This is, we started last week with a vacation and it was going to be like, it was our codependence vacation. Now this past week she's worked from home. So now it's like, uh, codependence six months, maybe (laughs) we're always both here. Fun, fun times. Yes. So she didn't have a chance to listen yet, which is totally excusable because this isn't very good. Let's be honest, right? And speaking of not being very good, today we're going to be reading Chapter 7. Okay, so Chapter 7 of Homecoming, it comes in at 215 lines. So I guess that makes it, what, 10 times longer than what we read last week? Last week's was like 30 pages or 30 lines. So this is going to be substantially longer. Uh, Don't let it fool you, though. It's not going to be better. It's probably going to be worse because I'm not liking what I'm looking at here. In this chapter. Uh, What do we got here? So I got some notes. Uh, I did point out that it is long, uh, which is kind of a departure from the last few chapters. Am I right? We've been going through some real quick ones lately. And uh, let's see. Uh, Okay. Uh, This will probably uh, really showcase my complete misunderstanding of like the military. So this will be interesting. I don't know what I'm talking about. And uh, we're going to see how this goes. Uh, if I'm a little quieter today, I'm not usually, I'm not yelling as much. Lars upstairs doing some work, so I didn't want to be particularly loud this Sunday. But yeah, we're going to get louder because uh, we're not going to change how we do the podcast. You know what I mean? Uh, we're still going to go up and have, what, a slightly afternoon <laughs> uh, whiskey with this podcast, I think. But uh, it's going to be good times, good times. A lot of reading coming up, though. So, uh, I mean, just to get this rolling, I think we should just go ahead and dive in 
to chapter 7. So for today's episode, I am going to be sipping on some Wild Turkey. Uh, I believe it's Wild Turkey 84, 81, whatever. It's their regular proof on the rocks. Oh, yes. Mm. Yes, it's very good. The lovely Laura and I purchased this, I think... Friday? Friday when we went out shopping, yes, getting some quarantine supplies, and of course we bought, uh, you know, two bottles of whiskey. You need that, right? I'm a little worried. I only have like 26 beers left. <laughs> that could be a problem coming up soon. I'm going to have to watch out for that. And Laura's only got uh, 12 or 13 bottles of wine, so it's going to be rough, you know? Uh, so we got to make sure, I hope everybody's got all their alcohol so we can listen to this terrible, terrible podcast. Am I right? All right, let's see. I got to scroll back up because I don't know where I am in this stupid ass text file that is comprised of the worst book ever written. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Mm, a little sip and let's hit this. The sun was setting when the diplomatic mission had finally reached the encamped army. Do you remember they were going to see an army that was marching north or something? Ah, who knows? Okay. Being so far from any enemy, they had merely set up a camp along the road. Uh, boop, 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 boop. I actually have to scroll. Oh, god damn it. I am really biffing this up today. Okay, let's see here. Henry understood they'd been stopped for days, and they could remain for countless more, depending on how well Ted did his job. Along the way, he had learned some more about the wiry bureaucrat. Ugh. <laughs> he seemed kind enough and hadn't lost that, quote, do-good attitude that young government workers often had. Ugh, this is horrible. <laughs> when he talked about their mission, he was genuinely hopeful all sides would be happy in the end. He didn't, however, have any experience in direct negotiations. He was apparently a paper pusher until yesterday when the king himself requested him. Henry thought it was rather smart since Stephen seemed misunderstood by so many of his staff. The entrance to the army's camp was simply a right turn off the main road. A makeshift gate had been constructed, which Henry thought a bit odd since there was no fence or wall around the encampment. The driver spoke briefly, there was a pause, and the carriage started rolling again. Although over a much bumpier terrain than the finished road they had just left. Do they have paved roads? I feel like we've asked this question. Oh, yeah, 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 because I think in bringing balance the road was stone or something. I don't know, stupid. Mm, but then it was gravel. Didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. All right. Mm. Sorry, I made my own drinking break there. Okay, let me see. Um, Henry looked out his window to see a sea of tents and fires for a substantial distance. That is not good setting. <laughs> this army, he had learned, was not particularly large. There hadn't been a need to send a full force of the king's army to the north yet. Instead, an expeditionary force of sorts was being sent more as a statement, an extremely sharp, deadly statement. Ugh. I really don't like this chapter so far. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I'm really, like, getting the uh, douche chills from it, you know what I mean? 
Uh, okay. Um, the carriage stopped again, and Henry turned to Margot. We're here, he said with enthusiasm. Sitting in a carriage for hours made almost anything outside more exciting. Margot closed the book, something about di diplomacy, and looked at him indifferently. Henry motioned at the window and stood to reach for the handle to the door. As he did so, the carriage jerked forward once again. Henry fell backwards towards his seat, but his rear <laughs> slipped on the edge, allowing him to land firmly on the floor. My laundry is done. Ow, he moaned. Ow, he moaned. Margot just opened her book again silently. After he lifted himself onto the bench once again, they traveled a minute or two more before he could hear the unquestionable racket of horsemen securing the horses. Is that loud? I guess. <laughs> and the driver climbing down from his perch. The door swung open and Henry disembarked first, still sore from his fall. As soon as all three carriage occupants were standing on solid ground, a soldier welcomed them. Good evening, my lady and good sirs. Welcome to the temporary home of the 275th Royal Army. I am to show you to the general's tent. If you would... Henry interrupted. The 275th Army? Where are all the other armies? That seems like a lot. No, there aren't 275 standing armies, Ted explained. Every time an army is formed, it is assigned a number. This would be the 275th ever. That's probably not how things work in the real world. <laughs> ah, Henry said. Got it. Please continue, sir. Please, sir, continue. Sorry, I read that wrong. Right this way, the soldier waved. The general's tent was only 20 yards from where they had stopped. If you live in a place where they don't use yards, you should move. Henry guessed easily that the gaudy red tent with the gold trim would be the general's, since the other tents around it were merely plain white and drastically smaller. Guards on either side of the tent's entrance flap saluted as they approached, and their guide returned the motion. When they stepped into the tent, the interior was substantially different than the exterior, period. No capitalization, as Henry had guessed it would be. The magic of false exteriors was quite well developed and prized in this world. Ugh, this book. Oh, this, I, well, let me remind you again, this is edited and wrong. Ugh. Mm. Sorry, another impromptu drinking break. I actually have to go upstairs and check if we're going to make some fries now. What time is it? 12.36? Let me give it another, like, three or four minutes. Maybe we can get to a drinking break. Let's try. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're making some oven fries. We got it set to 450, even though we're doing just the regular crinkles. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> we had um, sub sandwiches as takeout last night. Oh, so tasty. Oh, I had this one that I'd never gotten before where it was like a hamburger inside, but it still had capicola and some like lettuce and onions and tomatoes and a shit ton of mayonnaise and oil. And oh, my God. So good. I couldn't get to that second half of it, and I feel so, I don't know, emasculated by it. <laughs> oh, but today, it's my lunch, and I'm excited. Boop, boop, boop. All right. From within another room in the tent, a short round man emerged with a jovial smile carrying a half-full wine glass. 
His bright red uniform appeared to be straining to hold in his girth. <laughs> Ted leaned into Henry and whispered, This is Lord <clears throat> This is Lord General Futzenheim. He is a great military mind, I am told. Was that whispering good? I feel like it was almost too quiet. Well, well we're going to work through this. Lord General, Margot started. I am Margot Lafleur. These men are, of course, Henry McCallum and Ted Ingleward. Ted is a king's man, and we are simply assisting at the request of the king. A Lafleur? The general replied as he walked towards them. I shall need to keep an eye on you. A dangerous bunch, I understand. As Margot's countenance darkened, ooh, that's good, he laughed. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. As Margot's countenance darkened, he laughed. I joke, milady. You and Henry are both well-known and well-loved by the regulars. We are honored to have you as a guest. Oh, that's nice. Somebody likes Margot. That's a rare thing. He reached for her hand and gently raised it to his mouth, kissing the top. Although, I don't believe anyone had mentioned how beautiful you were. Thank you, sir. That is much appreciated, she replied. Henry smiled at Margot's slight blushing. It was rare for strangers to exhibit such an affinity for her once they knew her name. Come, I'm sitting for dinner with some officers. You'll relax and tell us news. The general started back towards the door where they had entered, and the trio followed dutifully. Drinking break! Oh. And it is time... Oops, sorry about that big bang. That's me putting the glass down. But it is time to put french fries in the oven. Woo! Well, the lovely Lara already put the golden crinkles in the oven, so that pause break was totally unnecessary. Although, I could use some more bourbon soon. <laughs> mm. I think this is all driving me to drink more. You know, what with the world? Whatever. <laughs> all right. Let's keep going. In the dining room, which of course was just created by fabric tent walls, the general walked briskly to the head of the table and sat down at his empty place setting. The room was well lit by lanterns hanging from the tent ceiling, and a long, unadorned wooden table was occupied by another six officers. That's very specific, but okay. When they had stepped into the room, three officers closest to the head of the table stood and offered their chairs, again, simple wooden functional pieces that were surprising to see in a tent. Why are they surprising? <laughs> were they, did they think they'd be sitting on pillows on the floor like this is uh, Lawrence of Arabia? I mean, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something. What was I going to say? What was I? Oh, oh. Oh, in these times, you probably should social distance a little more than this. These people are very close to each other. Uh, boop, boop, boop. The general once again stood and introduced his guests to the table. Gentleman, <laughs> I think we all know these two guests. He motioned to Margot and Henry. They are accompanied by a Mr. Ted Ingleward, the king's diplomat. The greetings were noticeably less enthusiastic. Ted stood despite the lukewarm reception, saying, Thank you, sirs, for hosting our small party. The king sends his best wishes and praise for your army. 
we all hope that it won't come to fighting to reunite this portion of the kingdom. The men around the table clapped politely as he sat down. Ugh. A bit young, isn't he? The general whispered to Margot. I said the same thing, but I didn't do that in a whisper. I'm sorry. All right. A bit young, isn't he? The general whispered to Margot. I said the same thing, but I'm told the king trusts him. I think he likes the enthusiasm. Smart young man, our king, the general said much more loudly. He raised his wine glass, saying, Long live the king. The table erupted. Oh, Jesus, I gotta change something here. The table, all right, here we go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got a page down, and I was still in the audio recorder. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, okay. Ah, damn. See, this is why I need a published book. I fucking suck at this. <laughs> Smart young man, our king, the general said much more loudly. He raised his wine glass, saying, Long live the king. The table erupted in a chorus of agreement, and they all drank. Margot noticed the general had finished his glass. Where are my manners, the general said after examining his empty glass. Steward, more wine, and bring out the main course. Oh, see, we had stewards in the last chapter, too. Apparently, I'm big on that word this week. I don't know what that's from. Eh, whatever. Okay. A man rushed in with a carafe, and Margot found herself with the largest glass of sweet red wine she'd ever been poured. Wow. Lara would hate this. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, plates with roasted chicken and potatoes were placed in front of each diner. Is that how you say diner? I guess. D-I-N... Like the restaurant and the person are both diners? Huh. I never really thought about that. Oh, well. Margot was surprised by the quality of the meal as she ate a bite. This is delicious. This is, Oh, I messed up. This is quite delicious, she explained, exclaimed. Ugh, I'm having trouble reading. I need more bourbon. Ooh, that glass is empty. And I think there's another drinking break coming up. Oh, dear. Let's see. Um, Henry nodded in agreement, unable to speak due to a full mouth. That young king is quite generous, the general explained. That's best, though, if you're going to leave an entire army stationary for this long, waiting to see if they'll be walking to war or home to bed. The rest of the army eats like this, she asked, surprised. Oh, yes, the general laughed. Ha <laughs> ha! Have to keep spirits up, and wine in the evening certainly helps. Do you think you'll have to march north? Margo asked. The general shrugged as he drank more wine. He motioned to Ted. I doubt it, Ted said on cue. Their, their letter seemed quite clear that they wished to submit to the king with no conditions. The general's eyebrows raised. No conditions? I thought it was odd too, Margot admitted. What is Henry doing right now? Just gorging? Jesus. <laughs> the general slowly put down his glass, his face became, and his face became serious. I've been in the wars all my life. I've seen slaughters and I've seen surrenders. You know what? What? Who are they attacking? What? What wars? This? Uh, like I gotta write another prequel with a war in it? <laughs> I don't feel like uh, it. Seems like the whole world of magic is just one kingdom. Unless I'm missing something. I don't know. Maybe we're just in a very small portion of it. You know what I mean? And there's eh, 
this is bad. Ugh. All right. All right. I'm just down in the dumps today. My bad, guys. All right. Let's go. And girls. Sorry. Guys and girls. Uh, boop, 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 boop. Uh, no condition. General slowly put down his glass. Face became serious. I've been blah, blah, blah. The few surrenders I've witnessed without conditions were when the enemy was terrified. They were surrounded. They were cut off. Something like that. So they might must be quite scared of you, sir, Ted offered. The general shook his head and sat back. No, we're nowhere near them right now, and days of marching would still be ahead of us. And this isn't a large army. We probably would prevail eventually, but it wouldn't be fast. No, there's something else here. Something else? Have you heard anything? Mario asked. Rumors, Miss Lafleur. Nothing more, he explained. But something is going on up there. We may yet have to march, but not on the Northern Lords, I'm guessing. <gasps> Drinking break and me without bourbon. Oh, shit. Let's fix this little problem. Well, that was an extended drinking break, because I just went upstairs and ate an entire lunch. But don't worry, good listeners, I di- uh, readers, listeners. What do you call someone who listens to an audiobook? Is that a reader? Does that count? Because you, you can say I read the book. Uh, I don't know. You know what would be funny? If somebody edited like my podcast together to get all the commentary out and just made audiobooks of these. Nobody's going to do that, but it would be funny. Okay, okay, we're back. We're back. Still a drinking break. Mm, still a bourbon. I think Laura's starting to look at me a little funny because this is my second glass, but whatever. Um, I just ate an amazing sub with some crinkle-cut fries, and I am ready to kill the rest of this chapter. Let's do it. Henry stood with Margot outside the tent provided for the pair by the general. The inside, who is, when I read the general, is thinking of the general auto insurance guy, the little short one? And what happened to the penguin that he used to have? I guess they replaced him with Shaq. That's weird. Okay. The inside was clearly fit for an officer, and he found it comfortable. Margot, though, had seemed agitated through much of dinner and ever since. She was staring out over the encampment with her arms crossed, and Henry couldn't tell if it was the chill in the air or just a defensive stance. He risked putting his right arm around her waist. When she didn't protest, he pulled her closer. What are you thinking about, he asked. I'm thinking about this trip. We shouldn't have come, she explained. We can always, Henry started, but she shook her head. Sighing, she explained. We should go on this trip. I just wish we hadn't had to. Something's wrong up there, and nobody is sure. Considering carefully, he's really tiptoeing around her, am I right? Jesus Christ. Henry decided to ask. Are you worried about your family? When Margot pursed her lips, he quickly added, sorry. No, it's okay. You're sweet, she said. I'm worried, but not like how you mean. She paused a moment, and Henry patently waited, because I spelled it wrong, patiently waited. What if it's my family causing the problem? Well, you don't know that, first of all, he replied. 
And what does it matter, second of all? Your brother and sister were infamous for a while there. Is a while one word there? I have it as one word. I think it's one word. Write in if you know it. JeffReadsHisBook.com It didn't affect you. Is it affect there or affect? God damn it. This uh, two sentences in a row where I'm just confused. All right. All right. We got we to gotta page down here. Oh, I'm using the wrong. Oh, I'm in the wrong application. Okay. Oh, we're going to come up on a drinking break. This is exciting. It did, though, she protested, stepping back and turning towards him. I thought we were past this. If this is them, I'll just feel alone again. Henry looked into her eyes. Margot, you won't be alone. You have friends and fans. And me. She sniffled. Ugh, is she crying? And pulled Henry close. I know, I'm being ridiculous. Nah, you're traveling to see people you haven't seen in years that you don't really remember in a flattering light. To say the least, she added. I think you're expected to have some feelings. Are your brother and sister there? I actually don't know, she admitted. We'll deal with it when we get there, Henry said. No reason to worry about anything yet. Margot stepped back and looked up at him. Suddenly, and she, ugh, okay. Margot stepped back and looked up at him. She suddenly laughed and asked, Is your ass okay? Because <laughs> he fell off a bench. Honestly, it's been sore this whole time. I don't think I should sit anymore. Okay, we're not going to be sitting, she said, grabbing his hand. Henry giggled as she dragged him back to their tent. Ew, implied sex. Up, drinking break. <laughs> mm. I don't actually have ice on this. Uh, yeah, this one, this one we're doing neat, this uh, wild turkey. This after lunch wild turkey. It's like two in the afternoon at this point. Jesus, we're still doing this? All right. The general walked them back to the carriage the next morning after a brief hot breakfast and possibly implied sex. <laughs> there did seem to be quite a few onlookers around the carriage. Henry found the situation a little odd. Nobody here was any sort of celebrity. When he had the chance, Henry leaned in and asked about all the people. The general laughed. The soldiers know you and Miss Lafleur, or have at least heard of, heard about you. You helped return their king. You're a minor celebrity here. Hmm, that wasn't the case in Eliath. The general waved off the comments. Of course not, he said. Most of those guards and bureaucrats had worked for the magistrates too. I mean, most are loyal to the king now, but they didn't just replace the government when the king appeared. Most of them are just trying to get on with their jobs. It seems like, uh, I'm trying to think. I had, uh, when I worked at, uh, I guess, I did work at NASA for a uh, short period. And I was a contractor, so not a, uh, not a direct employee. But um, what somebody told me while I was there, he pointed out like when the government changes its mission, right? He said, that's all well and good, but everybody at the bottom just has to be able to do their jobs and they all have expertise and all that nonsense. So they have to continue doing work they already do because they don't know how to do something else. And he said, it just ends up like, uh, 
they just get on with their jobs regardless of the like the mandates coming down from the top because you can't do anything about it what are you gonna do yeah all right i was more thinking though of like uh wasn't there like some fallout when the U.S. toppled Saddam Hussein and then kicked all his uh, mustachioed, um, mustachioed like government workers out of government? Because that was some like uh, sect or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But it really didn't go well. <laughs> you know what I mean? The people at the I don't know, the Baghdad uh, Bureau of Motor Vehicles, they might have had a mustache. You still need to get your license. I mean, are you really going to get rid of him? I mean, he's the manager of the building. I, I don't know. All right, all right, all right. That's probably trivializing a big problem there. My bad. <laughs> okay, okay, where are we at here? Doop, boop, 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 boop. All right, Henry thought about this for a moment. But the army isn't like that, he asked. Oh, because they're just trying to do their jobs. Great. The general shook his head. Many of the senior officers remember the old king, and nobody, quote, liked the magistrates. The better pay and supplies, though, that Stephen King demands, sir, uh, and Stephen King. <laughs> All right. Not the author, but the fictional character in my book, King Stephen Demands, certainly endears him to the regulars. All right, I guess I understand that explanation. Wow. All right, are you that thick that you might not? All right. At the carriage, the general once again kissed Margot's hand, which Henry could clearly see her enjoying. Pleasantries were exchanged before the trio re-entered their carriage for another long ride north. Snore. This is going to be a bad chapter. <laughs> once back on the road... Margot handed Henry an odd glass vial on a string, assumably, assumedly to be worn around the neck. He looked at it and shrugged. What is it? It's a distress beacon, she said. Ugh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be... I'm just going to put a little spoiler alert. Advance 15 seconds. I don't think we ever use this distress beacon. <laughs> I, I don't remember writing it, and I don't think it ever gets used. Okay, we're back from a spoiler alert. <laughs> it's a distress beacon, she said, taking it back and looking at it. The general gave it to me. What exactly does it do? Asked Ted. Exactly what you'd think. You break the glass vial, and a distress beacon is launched into the sky above us. And, Henry asked, and the army comes to our rescue. My laundry is done. Ted and Henry looked at each other. Henry turned back to Margot with a confused look. Sighing, Margot continued, It launches a magic beacon into the air for about three days, maybe more. It's generally invisible unless you have the proper beacon filter, so only the army could follow it. What if we're locked up inside? asked Ted asked, reaching to hold it. Margot handed him the vial, saying, Doesn't matter, it should still work. Always good to be prepared, Henry said. And that ends chapter seven. So what do you guys think of that chapter? That was a long one, but like not too much happened in it. I feel like it's a little more reminiscent of the earlier books in that it's not a Da Vinci style, Da Vinci Code style chapter. You know what I mean? It's not just quick. It's 
But it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. It's bad. But all right. All right. Uh, what did I write down here, huh? I really honestly thought that that meal was going to take longer. Like there'd be more discussion maybe or I would describe the food better. I mean, they were really into it. That's all I learned though. Like what did they have to eat? Should that be a discussion question? What they had to eat? I, I, I mean, the answer is probably stew, right? Because it's all they seem to eat in this stupid ass fucking series of books. All right. I don't know. I thought that was going to take a lot longer. Um, and I think this chapter was nice because we found out that some people do like Margot, not just Henry and her like friends from earlier books. Like people actually think Margot is pretty awesome other than Henry. And I guess what myself, I don't know. So that's nice to hear people like her. You know, she's considered a hero by like the armed forces. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I don't know. It was an okay chapter, probably too long for what it offered, which was not much, right? There's, we're still not getting like the main plot of the book yet. And we're on chapter seven already. Ah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. I think next week we will see some plot. Okay. It'll, it'll be, you know, not bad, not bad. Um, not great though. I don't know. I don't I have to consult with Glenn. So they got this uh, emergency beacon that they can wear around their necks. I was kind of thinking like it would look like, um, you know, the ones where you jump in the ocean because your ship's sinking and you have to wear like the cold suit. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look at uh, what? Hunt for Red October. I think he has one on. <laughs> Hunt for Red October. Great film. I watched that. I I've seen that so many times and not because it's on TV, because when I was a kid, I would just... We had it taped off of like HBO, so no commercials. And we taped it because we didn't get HBO, so it must have been on during like a free trial. But I watched the shit out of that tape, like over and over again. I would just watch it and watch it. So one of my favorite films. And uh, I think he had like an emergency beacon on his... Uh, yeah, uh, Alec Baldwin had it on his uh, suit when he jumped in the water, when he jumped off the helicopter and into the water, for sure. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking of something like that because it does look like a vial. Those like uh, save me beacons that they put on on the uh, life vests in your airplane in case you, you know, go down because what? You didn't fly a major airline, so you have a poorly trained pilot. <laughs> By major, you know I'm talking about Delta. Come on. <laughs> if you thought that like spirit counted, no, it doesn't. All right. But anyway, that's what I was thinking about that. But does that count as magic? Because it wasn't used or anything. And like I said, oh, spoiler alert. All right, 15 seconds, fast forward. I don't think this ever gets used. I'm almost positive. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. So uh, that is a useless plot point. Kind of like the geese at the beginning. Anyway, if you're back from the spoiler alert, you missed a lot. Okay. I don't know. It wasn't a bad chapter. It was just a nothing chapter. What are you going to do? It's nice to see Margot treated nicely. And uh, yeah, implied sex. So if we say this doesn't contain magic, right? So we're at chapter seven. We have, I think, four chapters with magic, right? Maybe three. Ooh, that's bad. 
But I think we have a solid two with implied sex. <laughs> so it's catching up, right? This is interesting. I, we're going to have to see if chapters with magic or implied sex win, okay? Uh, so if you're keeping score at home, I think we're three to two with magic and implied sex. Very exciting. You guys should be real thankful about me not writing sex scenes because it would be a catastrophe. Yeah. All right. So... That's, uh, that's about it. So let's get to discussion questions, all right? I'm only going to write two today because we didn't get any last week. So let's, let's keep things moving along, am I right? And you know what? Just write in even if you're just listening. And, uh, you know, if you don't want me to read your name online, you could put that in there. I'll, I'll not do it. That's cool. But, uh, okay, here are the two questions, all right? Question one. So they went to a military encampment. What are your thoughts on camping, huh? So, being a suburban white kid, I didn't do a lot of camping at all. So, I had one friend who would go to, um, his family had like a, uh, what are those campers where they look all flat and tiny, and when you get there, they like pop like up and out. So, they're like a, uh, like a trapezoid sitting on top of a rectangle. I don't know what those are called, but his family owned one. And they would go down to Cape Cod. Um, I think, like, it's... Uh, is it Barnstable State Park? I feel like it's Barnstable State Park in Massachusetts. And they would have campsites. And every now and then, I would get invited to, like, meet them there. Because I wouldn't stay the whole time. I think they'd camp for, like, two weeks or something. Insane. And uh, I would stay there, but we'd sleep in a tent. And... I think while I was there, I made it pretty clear that I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I'm not... I remember one time we went trying to... Were we cutting firewood? Totally sliced my hand open with, like, a knife. Ugh, I was such a dumbass. But luckily, the you know, my friend's mom was a nurse. This is my friend Chris. I don't think he's come up on this. I feel like I was kind of an asswipe to him in high school, but... Um, Chris, he's the shit, and I would go camping with his family. It was super fun. And I remember slicing my hand open. He was like, he ended up being an Eagle Scout in the end. So he was far more uh, adept at camping than I was ever. I don't know. I just liked cooking over fire because I'm a mild pyromaniac, I think. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, I sliced my hand open. And uh, what else did I do there? I don't know. I was just a rube. You know what I'm... Uh, that must have been like middle school, maybe early high school. I don't know when we did that. I'd have to ask Chris. I should write him a letter and ask, like, when the hell that happened. Huh. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, what are your thoughts on camping? So, since that, I have not gone camping. Like, since that time, I have not gone camping. Uh, my lovely wife, Laura, is uh, even more urban than I am as a suburban white boy. She grew up a lot closer to a city, and I feel like she's a lot more uh, averse to camping and, I mean, it's not like we could go camping together. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, we would die the first night in a state park in, like, a campsite. <laughs> it would be bad. So, uh, you know, I'm not good at it. I, I would like to go some other time, but I'd have to go with someone. Because, I don't. again, I have no idea. Like, my sister married a, uh, what we like to call a crunchy guy. Brandon, if you're listening, what's up, man? Because um, he was in New Hampshire. He knows how to, like, do you know, manly things, not like me, you know, I, I'm having, I have a rough time, you know, with any sort of like fixing drywall, <laughs> but you know, he's more, 
he's more fixer-upper kind of manly dude. He's got a beard, too. That doesn't hurt, right? But I know he goes, like, hiking, like, on a two-day trip. So he'll, like, camp somewhere. That's that's way beyond me. I don't know what I'm, I'd do there. I, I don't have any concept of what I'd have to bring with me. I don't own shoes that would be appropriate. No, I'm a mess. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on camping? Right into the show. Go to jeffreadsbook.com. All right, second question. Okay, Margo has a glass, a giant glass of sweet red wine. What are your thoughts on sweet red wine? Huh? How do you like it? I'm thinking like, what, Moscato counts, I think? Isn't that red? Is that red? I'm going to say it's red. Out here in Ohio, red wine's are just in abundance. I mean, they make them out of like Concord grapes or a Niagara grape or a Catawba grape, all these grapes nobody's heard of. And they're, they're, it's like drinking liquefied grape jelly, except you get drunk from it. Yeah. I like them. The lovely Laura does not. She says she appreciates them. I don't know if she even appreciates them. They are rough. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Those are like an extreme. So like a Moscato is still like a, um, what do they call it? Like a Vinifera grape. It's like a real wine grape, right? And they're pretty good. I like Moscatos just fine. I mean, we're talking about like sweet, sweet wines. Like uh, last week we talked about ice wine a little bit because I know uh, Glenn's wife does enjoy a nice ice wine. And I keep, I mean to bring one over, but uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see each other anytime soon, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, ice wines, fantastic. Very common in Germany is my understanding. Very common in Canada and Ohio for sure. This uh, winery we have by our house, the Klingshern Winery in Avon Lake, Avon Lake, Ohio. It's in Avon Lake. They make an amazing ice wine. It's uh, made out of Delaware grapes, which again... Who makes wine out of Delaware grapes? But, you know, a lot of places will make ice wine out of like a Vidal grape or a, uh, help me out here. Um, I've seen Chardonnay grapes at Firelands Winery. But, all right, I got to say, when I get the Klingshern ice wine, which is a solid like 33% cheaper than everybody else's, fantastic. It was just as good. It would, there was nothing lacking in it, which is kind of like, what the hell's... Why are people charging this much? Theirs was fantastic. Yeah. So I got to get some of that and bring it over to Glenn's house sometime soon. I wanted to give it as a little gift, just a little fun, because we go over to Glenn's house for games quite a bit. Uh, lately, it's been uh, other podcast guest host, Justin. We've been to his house before, too. We do that a lot for games. So, uh, But anyway, yeah, I should give Glenn... I just want to give him a nice ice wine. I'm going to do that. So if you're listening, Glenn... Look forward to it. Am I right? Okay. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on sweet wines? I like them, but I also enjoy the dries. So I'm just going to do two today. I haven't had any feedback in a few weeks, so I feel like trying to come up with a third lame-ass question, eh, it's going to be rough, huh? I don't know. What are you going to do? This is a good, uh, I think it's a good stopping point. Anyway, if you have anything to say to me, Head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com, and right there, you'll find three links to get in contact with me. You can reach me at email at jba at sdf.org, or you can reach me on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. Uh, that's the only place a stranger has ever tweeted me, but uh, 
Good times, good times. And you can head over to Mastodon on the Fediverse and reach me at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. I don't think I even posted the last three episodes on Mastodon. Still don't post it. I haven't posted on Reddit in, I don't know, like 30 episodes. Oof. And um, no, no on Facebook either. You know what I mean? Do we need a community for this podcast in these hard times? I'm guessing no, but we could try for it. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, that's it. Reach me over there, you know, those three places. If if you think I should be somewhere else, write into the show and let me know. Fun, fun, fun. Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, we should be on time this week on the release, and we should be on time next week with the recording. Uh, It's a little weird because usually I'm yelling and screaming in the basement, but Laura's home, and so I don't want to be too loud. But whatever. What are you going to do? So anyway, I guess that about wraps it up. So until next time, keep on reading. (laughs) 